1: Before we start the show, a word from our sponsor. Lyndon, we got sponsors. Hell yeah, we do. Well, I guess we gotta thank Dash Mortgage and You First
0: Realty. Who are those guys? They're your full service mortgage and real estate brokerage. Who is behind that? Our good friend, Dan Horgan. Dan Horgan? Yeah, he not only rips out in the water, but he's an experienced loan professional. Hmm, so what does he do? He helps out in conventional FHA,
1: VA, refi, or jumbo loan products. So Dan has the lenders to make it happen? Yes, and he'll give you the best service in the industry. Nice. Dash mortgage with no bogus fees or points? That's right. Just give Dan five minutes of your time to hear what he can do for you. So who does all the real estate then?
0: That would be me. What? Well, Dan has his license too, but I work under Dan.
1: Okay. Yeah. But so, you're a real estate agent, too? You know this. Oh, yeah. I remember now. I helped you get your house. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. So if
0: you're looking to buy, sell your home or looking for an investment property, give me a call. So not only a Ruka rep, you're an experienced realtor. Yeah. I didn't quit my day job, London. I still I still work for RUCA. <laughs> okay. I do real estate on the weekends. Yeah, I've been offering great incentive programs for all my friends and family to keep more equity in their pocket. I
1: guess I'm not a friends or family because I never heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> but all you on the Late Night and Chalky podcast, Saul, call our office,
0: 714-784-5736 and mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast.
1: Nice. Anything else we know need to know about Dash Mortgage?
0: Um, just our California Realtor BRE number, 0199-3245.
1: Okay, let's stop talking about real estate and mortgages. Let's talk about what really matters and what is that. Surf trips. And where do we like to go? Off my mind, Nicaragua. And where do we stay in Nicaragua? The one and only Mark and Dave's. Mark and Dave's. An exclusive, inclusive, -inclusive all-inclusive... Boutique hotel on the beach... Waves out front, ponga drops, waves down the beach, Colorado's, where I saw late night lar get Shactified. Oh, insane in the membrane down there. Tons of barrels,
0: but better yet, it's not just the surf that's insane down there. It's just this compound that they have. Killer poolside, killer food, top of the line chefs,
1: you name it. It's in a safe, gated community. Community. Uh, they'll pick you up at the airport. They'll drop you off at the uh, at the house. Um, there's ping pong table. There's horseback multi- riding. There's horseback riding. Yeah. There's world class fishing. Golfing. There's golfing. Um, the scenic. I mean, it's it's the best. You could get a massage
0: after surfing for four hours in the morning. Yeah.
1: So it's great for people that are traveling by themselves. It's a great place to bring your family. It's a great place to have a retreat. It's a great place to have, you know what I'm saying, bachelor parties. You know what I'm saying? I think we've been there for all of the above. We might have. So go to Mark and Dave's website and mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast, and you're going to get 200 bucks off, uh, off selected weeks for the rest of 2019. Oh, Sign me up. This is insane. Mark and Dave's friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. We're sitting
0: here with Mr. Scott Vanderwijk. Thank you, bud. Good to see ya. Uh,
2: hey, guys. Uh,
1: so <laughs> this is round two with with the with the Bard. <laughs> Whoa! And wait, first off, cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. We got some ice cold bottle of Takatis that was uh, courtesy of Late Night. Um, Thanks for being so hospitable. We're uh, at Casa Chalky. Casa Chalky. And yeah, this is our uh, second sit-down with Mr. Vandernomics himself. Yeah, we had some uh, technical difficulties on
0: the uh, first round, but um, but welcome. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Yeah. Always good
2: to hang with you guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Most of you probably haven't ever heard of Scott VanderWright, but he is a three-time world business champion. (laughs) Three-feet. Three-feet, yeah. (laughs) So he is one of the guys that started split clothing, uh, insane, what, late 80s, early 90s, 2000s brand, surf, skate, snow, um, music one of the original kind of uh, uh, action sports brands. Uh, Also started, after that, he, he started Crew. And after that, he started Supra. And after that, he's had his hands in a lot of different cookie jars. But talk about entrepreneur. He's a serial entrepreneur. And he's one of our great friends. And we're stoked to have him here.
0: Yeah, Scott. Cheers. 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 All right. So, would you like to kind of...
1: What's the first
2: question?
0: When did you start surfing?
2: Okay. I started surfing back when I was probably a teen. I grew up in L.A. County. Didn't have a surfing family. It was kind of weekends at the beach where I got the bug. Uh, Started boogie boarding and... I believe uh, back when boogie boards first came out, everybody was rafting or styrofoaming before that, so we got boogie boards.
1: Did that electricity back then? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, are you, are you trying to date yourself right here? Back, uh,
2: Holy moly, back in the day. Rafting. So, so this is 70s, right? This is late 70s, mid-70s, whatever it was. And I remember when, uh, so we had family on the East Coast, and we would go... Uh, visit them and our mom would put our, our boogie boards in a garment bag like for a suit to take over them. and carry them on the airplane because when we go back there nobody nobody had a boogie board on the east coast and wow. we'd go back there and we'd carry our boogie boards so. yeah
1: was it a more boogie or it was a more boogie okay. yeah and then so
2: that was the beginning I used to do those uh the Moray, Pro-Am, Sunkiss, comps, all Get that. Get
1: your body on a boogie Yeah, all that, all that stuff. Wow.
0: What, a, what, was it, what kind of tag would you say that? like? <laughs> uh,
3: slogan? Of- Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety five. Bite clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at acura.com.
1: Some sort but Get your body on. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? Yeah. It will go surfing today. the day. Um
2: and wow. then, then then it evolved in surfing uh, when I so there was a couple shops by my house uh, one was Val Surf yep. and one was Glenn Kennedy so Maybe, I got my rest first, in peace rest in peace Glenn you're just, a great guy yeah he was a he was a just passed time, away what a week ago about a week ago oh. yeah really so yeah, yeah stopped by the shop last week and just said a few words just because a little visual out, visual outside but the shops we go to I got my first board from Glenn. Started surfing Malibu, Zuma mm-hmm. County, that general area, and then the other shop was well, uh, what did I say, Val Surf, yeah, and Glen Kennedy. So those are the shops we'd go to, and then I kind of got into surfing, yeah. And that did was you have, did,
1: you did you have bros, friends that yeah. you started with?
2: Yeah, a bunch of friends, uh, neighborhood guys, um, and then it evolved into high school. And we would just, yeah, we'd go Malibu Canyon to Malibu Zuma, and then in the winters, we'd go up to Oxnard Ventura. That was kind of our zone. Do you so
1: remember, you, go ahead.
0: So you started surfing before you were 16, so you had to kind of leverage rides with older dudes or, or other parents, or? Exactly. I, you know.
2: It was parents on the weekends, or it was friends who were just starting to drive that would go in the summertime during the week. So, fair weather surfing, At that age, yeah. So
1: just summertime.
2: No, it was year round. It Mm -hmm. was year round. It was just a matter of yeah. I didn't live at the beach. Yeah. Didn't have a full surfing family, so yeah. But it evolved from there. Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: so you got the surfing bug. Um, What was your first surfboard? It was a Glenn Kennedy
2: single fin, and that was my learning board. That was the transition out of boogie into surf. And you know how it is, you're good at one and crappy at the other. Yeah. So you have to transition to get better at the other one. So yeah. that's how we
1: we also in the skateboarding?
2: Also in skateboarding yeah. as well. You remember then, your skateboard, your first skateboard or what? It you was rode? a Bane. Mm. Yeah. Bane with Cadillac wheels. Yeah. Wow, nice. So What kind of trucks, bro? I think they were Bennett Pros, Ooh. if I'm not mistaken. I remember Bennett. I think that was it back then. You
1: are dating yourself, yeah. bro. Bennett's were the best. Yeah. Trackers were number two back then. Trackers were popular. And then independent took over. And, so. what,
2: and one of my one of my high school buddies, who I surfed with a lot, his name was Carl Schultz. His Ooh. son is Kevin Schultz. They live in San Clemente now. Yeah. His he, uh, his, he just had a big. Big air at the uh, yeah. Waco. Yeah. the stab high contest in Yeah. Now he's on it. He's, Legit flip. Yeah.
1: Legit flip. For sure. Yeah. That thing was Gnarls Barkley. <clears throat> and
2: and so, and Carl's uncle, I believe that's how he termed it, was PT. So when I was in LA County. Peter he, Townsend? Peter Townsend. Huh. And they were running bronze dossies out of Huntington at the time. Him him, and Ian Carnes. Kanga. Yeah. <laughs> so he was getting bronzed dossiers, so we were in L.A. County, so we'd come down to Huntington, call it weekends, call it summertime. And then I think his, he was related to Troy Bishop as well, so I knew that crew. It was yeah. through Carl's mom. And so that's how we kind of got affiliated with Huntington mm. and the Huntington surf scene. And then from there, I graduated high school, and I went to college in San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly. So then I started migrating north. And so I'd do the drive north from LA through Santa Barbara to slow yeah. and back and forth. So I started getting a little bit of a feel for the point breaks up in Santa Be- Barbara.
1: Before we get into that, when you you were surfing high school, did you start getting into surfing contests or was there local contests that you started doing or that wasn't your thing?
2: You know, not it wasn't really my thing. We did a few kind of local shop challenges, yeah. um, not shop challenges like they are today, but just... A shop you yeah, know, they sponsored their, a comp or something Yeah, like they that. have
0: local, yeah, amateur condos all, all up and down the coast.
2: Yeah, and they do that region, whether it's Zuma
1: County Line or something of like that nature. Yeah, yeah. But Val Surf was a shop, and Glenn Kennedy was a shop you used to frequent.
2: Yeah, yeah. Val was out there. I think they moved to three different locations while you know while I was a kid. Yeah. Glenn moved to a couple locations, but it was it was tough. I mean, it was there wasn't a big scene where I lived. It was all at the beach, yeah. right? But those shops catered to the population they wanted to serve yeah. and they did it well they did a great they're both those shops who are around today doing well yeah. so, did
1: you uh get any kind of localism back then did you feel any kind of hb boss been gnarly
2: you know um <laughs> there was there was an element of it um there's a couple um incidences that we came across and it was more of a just. It was more of a verbal. Just you yeah. Know, there was no beat down. Well, there were so few beat downs. Yeah. If but, you're
0: disrespectful and being yeah. a coup, but yeah. Like, but
1: if you're just showing up, it's back be then it like, a little bit heavier than it is now. Yeah. You can get sued for just. Yeah, whatever. there were
2: there are definitely there was definitely shenanigans, but nothing. Yeah. yeah. Nothing too crazy. No we
1: fisticuffs. Weren't, we weren't surfing palace Verdes. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Uh huh. So. It's hard to surf. Uh, up and down that little stretch route. South Bay's a tough place to find good waves yeah yeah indeed. it gets good in the winter time but so what did you uh, major uh, at uh, SLOW industrial technology industrial so it's a- so can we go backtrack one second so you're growing up as a surfer right nice guy. And, and we're in you know you're you were in the surf apparel uh, business um, back then, you know what was the style like? Do you remember what you know what the cool kids were wearing? It was killer. It was uh, there was Echo Beach. You know, wow.
2: There was there was mm. Quick and polka dots. I remember that era. There mm. was Op. There was um,
0: it's Gotcha around
2: then. Yeah, Gotcha. Yeah, that was kind of the era. But I think Quick was the one that stood out the most for yeah, sure back Sunday. then. Sunday. But yeah. you also had that
1: O'Neil. Mr. Zog sex wax t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, indeed, long, long <laughs> sleeve, yeah. <laughs> and then, with your, with your super short op cords. For sure, had and to
2: have those, yeah. Would
1: yeah. you? What shoes did you wear? Vans.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't cons, it was Vans. Slip-ons. It was Vans and Nike, yeah, Nike high tops. Yeah. Slip-ons? Uh
0: not so much. Lace-up. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. What What about some like going-out pants? Some
2: of the, those velcro waist Jimmy Z's. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I think, but it was still kind of 501, Levi 501, 501 um, and then I know OP came out with their pants, their court pants as well. Puka shells? Puka shells, yes. Lightning yeah. bolt? Lightning bolt, hang ten. <laughs> yeah. Hair parted in the middle. Yeah. Gold Feathered? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just sun bleached. How do you yeah. get the color? Oh, sun this, in yeah. yeah that's funny that, right, so, that style's coming it's all back right now yeah. well partial you know yeah. it's kind of a mix of 80s and 90s grunge and little hip hop now I don't know it's kind of a weird mix of
1: style. so boom you go to San Luis Obispo right yes and, and what, what was your question uh, what did you major in yeah, yeah. industrial bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah so I found this major called industrial technology and it was a major that was a hybrid of Business management and engineering. Say it again. It was a hybrid. It was a business. Com- it was a major combined of two different. What was the major again? Industrial technology. Industrial technology. So it mixed business and engineering. So you could have engineers that were getting educated in the business world, and you could get business majors that could get educated in product development and engineering. So they kind of worked well together. It was a pretty good. What to-
1: What was the the, the career path that uh, industrial technology what, what was that gonna what kind of career was that well a super what kind well, of job
2: it was well-rounded because you could do uh, I mean it covers a spectrum you got design engineering right called mechanical or and then you have business you know econ accounting and all that so it kind of educates you to kind of look at look at the whole spectrum yeah what, so what it, did it was, you? It was technical.
1: Yeah. What did you want to be when you were going to school? Like, what did you think you after you graduated? What, what were you going to do?
2: You know, I didn't. I didn't know. I, I had this idea of getting a corporate job, just to get out in the real world and you know, see it in a big way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I, I graduated and I took a job in aerospace, and it was at Long Beach. It was Boeing. It used to be McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. So I um, I took a job there out of college and worked in Long Beach. Um, Graduate four years, three years, uh, four and a half. Hmm. Yeah. So.
1: Dude, what a lagger! Four and a half.
2: Yeah, you know, it was a little too fun. I'm in the beginning, super.
1: I dip- you yeah. know, I, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I thought you would have been uh, a four year, maybe even less, magna cum laude whoa
0: (laughs) you know i think he was developing you know more relationships and stuff along the way it's not all about business and numbers and and grades it's about relationships
2: hey you know once it's over it's over right you know you gotta enjoy it you don't let don't let
1: college get in the way of your education okay before yeah we got to backtrack because high school college what about, we didn't talk about surf trips. Like, what were, what were your, your
0: earliest surf trip memory?
2: Yeah, so going to California, a lot of Baja runs, you know, started getting down there when I was in high school. And then a couple Hawaii trips with the family. Nice. In high school, so surfing Maui, Honlo Bay, Lahaina, you know, over in the Hukipa side.
1: You? Um, you have a brother, or you had a brother. And a sis- and you have a sister, right? Older
2: brother, younger sister.
1: Yeah. yeah. Middle child. Yeah. Did he surf?
2: He surfed a little bit and we'd surf together and then he went off in the golf route. He he would golf and I would surf. So six AM we get up and he's going right, I'm going left. And hmm. he golfed and in the I peak, surfed, bro. yeah. So he took that path and yeah, I just surfed. Yeah. So it was all pretty uh, domestic with Mexico. You know, d- down to Cabo, down to Cuatro Casas, San Catin, a lot of northern Baja, and then uh, we had a couple trailers on the cliffs at K thirty eight for years. That we'd go down and um, yeah, had a good time down there. Yeah. So. And then I then I started to evolve internationally. Uh, shortly after college and career, I. Right, Got down to Australia, then started going down to Central America, Costa Rica.
1: Yeah. And, and then and we're talking like what was that? Late eighties, early nineties or Yeah, Hawaii eighties, Baja, all that. Yeah. And then uh,
2: Crowd pop, factors were pretty pretty mellow back then, right? Super mellow. Especially when I lived on the central coast. That was there was there wasn't crowds up there at all. Yeah. And then even Rincon, I mean, not compared to what it is today, but it was good. It was a good time to be driving up and down the coast. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of people in the water now, everywhere. Yeah, I, you name it. I yeah. mean, yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, although we did get some fun ones today with not that many people out. True. Yeah, it's always fun when you surf with your friends. Yeah. So Spooky. boom, you, you graduate college, you get a job at McDonnell Douglas. Um, obviously, you're, you're surfing throughout that whole time period, and then let's talk about split, like. How'd that happen? Wait,
0: was that on the like back of your mind through college, like when growing up in the surf scene, or was it kind of a after college?
2: No, so Split came that. about while we were in college. It was, we had a handful of really good friends, and it was our Split, it, it was our brand. It came up, and it came from just graphics to stickers to T-shirts to just, we were the Split guys. Yeah. So and it was just, and we started printing our own T-shirts, and we'd print them. And we'd sell them like downtown at the farmers market, you know, just to our friends. So so the brand had kind of been born, but it was a small hobby. And then I was the first to graduate, so I of our crew. So I came down to Orange County and things started to pick up a little bit more. We're printing t-shirts in Slow, and I'm working corporate down in SoCal. So you know I'm here in the epicenter of it and I'm taking the product and bringing it here and slinging it you know shops and this is a new brand and here's our deal and la. so we slowly organically grew it and then one of my friends and our business partner Dave Patrie, he was the second to leave and he came down and he took a job at vision streetwear as a designer and then he went from vision to gotcha and MCD And so we were running Split in Orange County, and our other friends were either still in San Luis Obispo or they went up north and we just kind of had this posse. Kind of spread out but started to get some some wings under it or some wheels. And then, so Dave's working design, design and Split, and I'm working kind of production, logistics, and he's (coughs) living in Newport, I'm living in Seal Beach, and we're kind of back and forth. So I'm trying to get this stuff made. He's designing. We're kind of working together. Yeah. Eventually. What's, what's the uh, meaning behind Split? So Split was a word we used a lot in college. Uh, I know we, a lot of influence was derived from the Clash song, Split. Um, and then a scene from Big Wednesday yeah. uh, with the Crashers, if you guys yeah. remember that. So that was that movie was our era, yeah. and really influential. Big Wednesday. Yeah, Big Wednesday. I mean, PT was tight in that, so we yeah. got to know him and that whole element, but Split just kind of became the word, the phrase, the brand. Yeah. And it was Split, and it was born, and it was multi because that's what we did. And back then, no one was doing multi-sport. So, we're trying to grow the brand, you know, as a surf brand, as a skate brand, as a snow brand. And eventually, Moto came in as well, and we're trying to grow it with all these disciplines and trying to market it. Which you know back then it was all print media, so it's really hard to pay for ads and all the publications yeah. and have your athletes and salaries and.
1: So say, go, going back when you first started Split, you're making just T-shirts and hats, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. And Did then you're selling it at farmers markets and. Then you moved out. When you moved down here, you started approaching surf shops with it. Yes. Was it were they receptive,
0: or were you kind of like you know had to have local friends or bros kind of go plug a word in,
2: you know, a little bit of both.
1: Who was was your first account?
2: So I think it was Central Coast surfboards above the belt up north, uh, and then down here. I was above born, the belt remember those guys yeah kind of yeah, way back and then and then down in Orange County it was Glen at Caton yes harbor surfboards in flight a little bit of Jacks, a little bit HSS it started hmm. to root in kind of our own backyard and then it evolved you know it spread out down to Laguna and up to the South Bay
1: and yeah. slowly started to go then but it, first it was just surf right? it was just surf yeah yeah surf, a little bit of lifestyle. So when, what uh, what year was it when you started?
2: Do you remember? S- yeah, so I left college in 88, and then it was just a, an idea. We did the first ASR trade
1: show in 89. Oh, wow. January 89 in Long Beach. So within a Pretty year, quick. you went from starting a brand to, to the biggest trade show that you needed to be at.
2: It was the biggest trade show. It was probably the peak of ASR. It was so big and popular back then that we were an add-on, and we we're like down in the dungeon. We we're like in this add-on room at the very last booth of the whole show. But do you remember how much it cost? Probably. No, I don't really know, but I'm thinking it was pretty cheap, like twelve to fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of money yeah.
1: for a startup brand. A startup brand. Yeah. 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 Did you have a tent? What did you? Do you remember no, the booth? No, we, we
2: had all this art. Art and clothes. We had more props than we had product. Yeah. Yeah. It was just props. and
0: Marketing. is like getting your name out there. And yeah. And yeah. we invited
2: everybody we knew to come to the show. And you have to have a business card. So we made fake business cards with everybody's names as buyers from all over. So they could come in and <laughs> get in the show. So we had people wearing our product and our hats and handed stickers out. So
1: um, Wow. Guerrilla marketing at its finest I, right I remember
2: uh,
0: Richard Wolcott and, and Troy Eckert in a roll-up, like, a U-Haul outside of ASR <laughs> in, like, 90, 91, whatever Stop. they started, 92, somewhere around the, those dates, and they were just, again, <laughs> just handing out stickers and T-shirts from the back of a U-Haul, right? yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you did. You went down to where the buzz was, which was ASR, yeah. Yeah. you know, whether you could afford to get okay. in or not, and it's just about getting your name out there, and...
1: That's funny, because that that's practically... Oh, well, what is that? Only... A couple of years they started in 91 right I think 91 yeah yeah Yep. Yeah.
2: and back then guerrilla marketing stickers that's what you did but then yeah. it got to a point ASR was like hey don't stick these convention centers up anymore if your yeah, stickers are up you're fine. getting fine so it it kind of like which is good it was kind of getting to, it was getting a little ridiculous for a while. so yeah.
1: was that first 89 ASR show a success you opened up a, a bunch of accounts and
2: yeah that was the start that was that's that Dad, man, let's do this. And it was a it was a tough road. I was still working corporate. Dave was working for another company, so it was on the side. It yeah. was a side business. How
1: long did you work at McDonald Douglas for?
2: About three years, I think okay. it was. We finally got split going to a point to a level where, you know, we were starting to. It it was demanding more of our time, more than half of our time. So Dave and I both, at that time, it was just Dave and I, and I believe scott bailey came in the picture as well because he was a friend of dave's brother and he had came in and when we were trying to start split we had to borrow money from friends and family and scott bailey was a friend that put some money in and then he moved to europe and was working in europe but when he came back he he wanted to get involved so he lived on my couch he came to seal beach and lived in my house and help with the business you know we're shipping full insurance making stuff so so then dave and i quit our jobs and said let's just do this full time so we hopped in his van and we drove to utah for a week and just went snowboarding said let's just go snowboarding and figure this out and we did that for a week and we came back snowboarding is fairly new too right like it, it was it was pretty new in fact i'll date myself again i got my first burton It was wooden, and I don't know if I got it from Val Surf or from Glenn Kennedy, but it was way back in the day, and I remember taking it to Mammoth and getting pulled over by the ski patrol, kicking me off the mountain, saying, if I catch you on this mountain with that thing again, you know, so it was a wooden
1: Burton, and uh, that's how
2: it started, it was Tom Sims, and what what year
1: was it when you were like, what year was that near two or three that you quit? McDonald Douglas it was yeah year three at least three years yeah yeah it was
2: early years. 90s I think yeah, okay maybe 90 were
0: you going to McDonald Douglas being like I still so don't want to be here I'm focused like all your like thought process was on split or you're just juggling both just I mean you needed the income so you had to be there
2: I yeah I needed the salary it covered health care mm-hmm. all that it had all the all the pros but what I did was I think a year prior I took a position on the night shift. I took a swing shift. So I'd work nights at McDonnell Douglas. Mm. So then I'd run split all day. And I'm I'm in LA, working at factories, getting material, doing all that. So I was kind of like, yeah, double, burning the midnight oil. You
0: hear hear that, kids? Blood, sweat, and tears right here. Blood, sweat, (laughs) and tears. Nothing comes easy. So So.
2: yeah, so we did that to a point where we couldn't do anymore. It was to a point where I couldn't stop working split at 3 p.m. to go mm. to work. I'm like, hey, I need five more hours. Yeah. So then it started to evolve. So we quit our jobs, and we just went full bore, full right back to college, macaroni and cheese. And, yeah. So what did your
1: parents say?
2: So um, by then I was 20-something or rather, yeah. and uh, they knew the brand. They knew the passion. They knew what we were doing. You know, yeah. every, That's what everybody got for Christmas was... T-shirts and stuff that didn't fit anymore, you know. So samples. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: every every member might of the want family. to hold on to this yeah. one. This is a one of yeah. a kind. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so so what was your first like profitable? Like damn, we got we got a brand. here. Was it
0: an account or just season after season? It just was growing exponential. Or
2: well, two two things happened. Uh, first of all, the the market was changing. It was getting to be a streetwear vibe. You know, surf was kind of in a weird funk. I mean, OP was kind of going through a funk. Uh, surf, big surf was it was there was a recession going on, so there was room for new brands to come in because the old brand, the big brands were having to scale back. The lead times were long, overseas, you know, manufacturing. So there was room for new yeah, you brands. Yeah, were making everything
1: domestic, pretty much. Then, making right? everything
2: domestic, we had a pretty quick turn. So we started making because back then, remember the brand Cross Colors. No. Cross colors. It was a uh, bunch yeah, bunch of... More like a hip-hop.
1: Yeah, so that was going on.
2: Brand. A lot of bright colors, bright graphics. And so we said, okay, let's get into the denim game. Mm-hmm. So we started to make some denim. And I... So to do it, we needed some money. So I had a 401k plan with McDonnell Douglas. And I think I had like 10k in it. So I go, why don't I buy the denim? We'll get it all sewn up. And we'll... You know, once we sell it, then I'll pay myself back and I'll be
0: good. It was like 60, was it back then 60, 90 days to pay it back without a penalty? I think you had 90. It,
2: it was just, it was our lead time of how quickly we could produce it, sell it to a retailer and have the retailer pay it. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. it, it was going to take a few months. So I said, yeah, I'll pull it out of 401k, take a hit, which no one advises you to do, right? No, right. So I did that and we, we bought PFD denim so we could sew it all up. And then dye it the colors that we wanted. So I get it, we cut it, we take it to L.A. It's halfway through production. Then the Rodney King riots hit L.A. Oh, and L.A. is just on fire and upside down. So we um, it took a long time to recover that. And uh, finally, we, I don't think I ever saw I think it was years before I saw that again. <laughs> so that was a setback, but it was a the start of a new kind of a fashion trend that we kind of rode the vortex of.
0: Fashion trend, but also a new new category for you guys on top of
2: the printables and hats and everything else you're doing. So it, it kind went. Of another It went from short shorts to baggy shorts. Yeah. And it went from five O ones to grunge or baggy jeans. Or was yeah. that era of streetwear. Music
1: was
0: influencing. Music what was, was going real on.
2: techno yeah. and so that was an era Oh Ravers. Th- right? Ravers. Ravers yeah. and-
0: Flat flannels and grunge, yeah.
2: So we had a lot of growth during that period, and we diversified our, our account mix. Yeah. It wasn't all surf and skate. It just, there were new shops popping up that were doing well. I mean, Hot Topic, which yeah. is, you know. Did you
1: sell the Hot Topic? We did, yeah. Split yeah. sold the Hot Topic? Yeah. Wow, yeah. you guys are sellouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> Wait, like back, cha-ching. But back then, it was a different game. Yeah. You know, back then. That it was, was a it, different. It was relevant, yeah. Whoa. So, so uh, talking about the denim, we we brought this up before your signature piece was the striped jean striped leg jean yeah. yes like you were first to market pioneered that style and that's what kind of put split on the map right that was our volume piece
2: yeah. that that came on and you know aside from tees and you know hats that was a cut and sew piece that gave us some traction that yeah. accounts couldn't get enough of. So yeah. that gave us a lift as well.
1: Yeah. That gave us some growth. It was, uh, you know, certain brands come up with certain product that they're known for and split revolutionized denim, kind of, back then. With with the, you know, who, who whoever started that. It, I mean, you guys were the ones that started that. And that was like, every kid had to have a pair of split Side stripe jeans. So I remember. So no one was doing denim. It was kind of a chino
2: vibe before that. So we started doing denim, and we started doing big denim, extra large denim. And I remember we had a shop in in Florida, Orlando, Group Two maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that was Shaq. Shaq was playing for Orlando Magic. And we we're making big jeans. He's like, I want those jeans. And so Shaq? we're making we're making custom jeans for Shaq. Shut up. Serious.
1: So what? four yeah. pairs together. So he'd
2: be <laughs> we'd see him at the Surf Expo trade show rocking split jeans back in the day, back in the nineties.
1: Do you have photos of this? Because if you don't have photos, it didn't happen. Okay, I don't
2: know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I had digital anything back then. Um, I don't think I had a cell phone. So no pager. Yeah.
1: So when did you start branching off into the other? cultures, surf and skate, or skate and snow.
2: So snow got big. We had a snow team, we had a snow line. Uh, we made really good snowboard apparel. And snowboarding was fickle because of the weather patterns. Yeah. It was, you know, you'd have two great years, maybe three, and then you'd have two or three bad years. So we did it for a couple years, and then we kind of got out of it. Yeah. So it, it, it was, was just,
1: It was a separate division. It was called a different name too, right?
2: At first we launched it as a, a, a brand called Bent Saw. And then it just became Split. Yeah. So, and it was a good brand. We, we brought in Eric Frey from Long Beach, and he was a great designer. He was working at Seoul back at that time. Chippa Slipper. Yeah. Chippa. If, if I have to explain it to you, yeah. You, you want to understand. So, he came and designed the, the apparel brand. He did a great job, and we ran that for a while. Yeah. Snow team. We were all big snowboarders. Because so. at that
1: time, Split was like a new, cool, up and coming. Like, you know, you had Soul, you had Stussy, you had what other like weird fresh Jive. culture? A counterculture was kind of coming out then too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Welcome, which fresh gye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were like the new school brands of that day of that 24/7. era. Yeah, Remember those S&P. Guys? yeah. S M P. Yeah, S M P. Yeah, there yeah. was
2: a new era. Yeah, and then, and then it mm. evolved from the fashion. Then we got into Moto because Moto
0: was like going freestyle and you got all these like personalities versus guys that just raced you know like you had the racing tour guys and even in the surf culture kind of had that the skate they all kind of went from ramp to let's talk about
1: that like all the heavy hitters you had on that you sponsored like for surf you had McCullough Jones you had Uh, Shea Lopez, Lopez
2: Sean Yano Mikey Riley Mikey Riley Sean Yano yeah that's funny. We, we had a good little Grom phase. When we first started Split, and I was living in Seal Beach, I lived across the street from Inflight over by McGaw. And all the Groms, I was running Split out of my garage. So they just combined and hang out every day? Yeah, yeah. Dave, sh- Dave, Dave Petrie was living in Newport, and I was trying to run a warehouse out of my garage. And at that time, the, uh, the Seal Beach local Groms were uh, <laughs> a little sticky bench that <laughs> the the series well, got a sticky butt it, right now it was mikey riley thank you sir lou Carrion no.
1: artist extraordinaire
2: yes troy tecklenburg no mm-hmm. um, potter um, travis, travis potter travis yes. potter there is a, a kid whose nickname was psycho and another kid named Devin and they were like the Seal Beach local growns that I remember from either late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. And yeah, they were a good group. Any Huntington dudes? Yeah, a lot of Huntington Goo. Well, they weren't all Huntington, but they're all from around Huntington. Uh-huh. I know. It was it was Chase? These were Ams that were really good. Newsome. Chase Newsom. Chase Newsom. Yeah. Who helps uh, us out on uh, our website? Brady yes. Shemke. I, yeah, um, that's so funny. Jason McDonald, uh, just a bunch J-Mac. of... J-Mac. Gus is. Buckner, Joel Nelson, Steve Foley, that whole crew
1: was on the program. But I remember... I think Jason Nottenmaker wrote for you guys, too. <laughs> Always saw the logos on his board. <laughs> <laughs> Number one team rider, <laughs> surf like current.
2: Yeah, so those Groms would come by, and I think they'd even kind of... Sweep the garage and give them T-shirts, but they were a good bunch of kids. And yeah, from the Groms, I met the next tier. I met Joel and Gus and Steve Folly, and then I got tuned into the Harbor Chaz Stamps group for boards, which was a which was awesome. And then that was, and then I kind of migrated from Seal Beach, and I moved to Huntington Beach, and then I ran Point Huntington for a while. Oh, then we. Yeah, then we moved out of the garage and got a warehouse. They got a real warehouse. Yeah, in Huntington.
0: How was it like
2: growing as like
0: a young brand, and then like primarily a Southern California brand to probably a California like West Coast brand, and then you're you know like adventuring east to like I mean yeah. where Utah, Colorado because of snow and that lifestyle was probably pretty good. But was yeah. there a show? Did you go to what's this show on Surf, Surf, Expo. Surf Expo
2: and stuff? Did you? Yeah, so the way we spread and the way we grew, I'm, Orange County was great, well received, it worked. And then California became, you know, all of California. Then to get the surf business in Florida was great, but then New York started to pop because it wasn't surf, but it was kind of fashioned. We do the, the show at the Jacob Javits Center up there at the New York, uh, whatever show that was back in the day. We do trade shows in New York. So we do New York, Florida, California, to get the nation you know, to go nationwide. And then we started moving into the UK. And then eventually we moved down to Australia. We set up a licensee with the guys from Har or uh, the guys from Hardcore. And they did Globe, oh, yeah. Stussy, yeah. Mossimo. The Bennett, Hill Brothers?
1: The Hill Brothers, yeah. Okay. So
2: we worked with them to get Australia going as well. So we had Europe, Australia, we had an office in Canada as well. So
1: what I mean that had to have been like an epiphany, right? When you're like sitting there thinking shit, you know. 3 years ago, 4 years ago we we're sitting in the garage and now we're, you know, at a trade show in Florida, at a trade show in New York and we have this brand called Split that we're starting to get global, right? Yeah, no, it was it was that was and, part of the How many, you know, you started off with how many people? 3 3 people?
2: Yeah, there was a handful of friends, and then everybody kind of thinned out. Then it was just Dave and I, and then Bailey came in. And then I think it slowly grew from there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Was – who was your first reps? Was it Joel Nelson and –
2: Joel came in later in the game. I remember – it's hard to remember all those names. I don't even know what I did yesterday, let alone 30 years
1: ago. Yeah, you are up there in age. So (laughs) –
2: yeah, a lot of good reps. Some might still be in the game. Some have moved on. Yeah. but we had a lot of good people come through
1: the enterprise, from employees to team riders. Yeah. to so what was your first international order? To to what country? It Canada? was to the, to the UK. UK,
2: wow, wow. It was it was Manchester, and I forget the name of the. What oh, it might have been Slam City or Slam well, City? maybe. Slam City. Yeah, way back when, and I remember living in Seal Beach. Across flight and Kitty Corner to us was mailboxes, etc. And I would ride my bike over there with packages to ship our stuff. You
1: know, international. You put it in the in the mailbox, or you put. I have to go to the
2: counter, yeah, yeah, and pay.
1: But a lot of stickers. Lots of stickers. Yeah. So, (laughs) boom. What is that like a a year six in the business? You're starting to go to go global.
2: Yeah, mid 90s. Things are starting to expand a little bit more. We. We move, in, we move out of Seal Beach to another house in Huntington. It's Gus Buckner's dad's house, and that becomes our central command. I remember down the street was uh, Scotty Stopnick, yeah. and his family lived on the same block, huh. and he was probably five or something like that. He'd come down, and he started sweeping the garage there for T-shirts. So now he's done really good with cycle zombies as well, yeah. so that's a good little... I like that brand.
1: Yeah. S- so... You know, another big addition to the surf industry was women's right, women's business, juniors' business, and I remember seeing. Uh, well, Roxy, Roxy kind opened of opened up the floodgate,
0: you know, or an yeah. opportunity that most wouldn't even have taken the risk before, but they yeah. kind of just created went, created Roxy, and then that just kind of I and mean all went, the other brands, all the lights split went off, in every, yeah.
1: I mean, I remember uh, Christina Smith, right? Chris- Christina Smith came in. She
2: brought in Michelle Obla. Yeah. And Chelsea was one of the designers. It was a... Yeah.
1: That was a huge addition to Splits. I, believe, line, right? I
2: believe women's grew to a point where they may have been almost larger than the men's. I, I believe yeah, it. It came if in Women strong, do all the shopping. Yeah.
1: That's almost for every brand that I hear. So... So you, what was the highest dollar that you remember shipping? Or what year and and what was the dollar amount? Do you remember?
2: You know, I think we got split up to, I think it was around 30 or so. Globally? Mm, Probably more than that globally. But I think in the US, probably about $30 million brand. Wow. It wasn't massive, but it was at that time that we decided... Wasn't massive. Thirty million, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah, by today's standards. Today's standards, but you know, dude, by today's standards, thirty million—that's
1: still pretty damn big. It was, yeah.
2: It was good for a little garage, you know. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's.
0: It's not about, bad for
2: industrial
1: technologists.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, thirty million if you if as long as you're profitable. And it seems like you guys ran a, a, Dude, a We're talking a good to VanderNomics show. here. I know, I know. You think it was profitable? Yeah. Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of companies that go to thirty and then they're yeah, leveraging. they not. They don't have VanderNomics. Comics. Yeah.
1: Like everything that has VanderNomics, yeah, is successful. Yeah. So remember that. Yeah, the stickers aren't a dollar. <laughs> they're two dollars. You know. It, Don't buy them for two dollars.
2: It was interesting to add on that that component of freestyle motocross because it yeah. didn't exist before, right? Yeah. It, almost <laughs> like when snowboarding came and even wakeboarding, but but freestyle motocross was big, and it came in. I know we had Kerry Hart and we had Twitch and Metzger and Ronnie Feist. We had the of heaviest
1: it. of the heavies.
2: It, we had a lot of really good guys, and we rode that pretty hard. But then big money came in. It was it was no fear. Yeah. And couple big brands started Fox they started we couldn't we couldn't compete with the salaries that they were starting to pay they saw these arenas being sold out and these athletes that needed big money because their career was going to be a little short I mean those guys got wrecked I mean yeah so so they were paying big money and I know that Kerry Hart was on our squad and I think he did x games and did the first backflip in competition yeah and I think next day no fear just
1: took him and so there's another cool interesting story too you had Michael Stipe of REM uh, invest in the company right
2: yeah there was a point where we were still in the garage and we had met uh, through a friend of ours that worked for Warner Brothers he just had Michael Stipe's info and we just sent him a box a care package small box tees and hats and he just,
0: just to stoke him out, and you're a fan of the music, like it's just like, yeah. well, I, I'm in, it's not gonna cost us anything, let's just send him send a box. box.
2: It was, uh, yeah, small postal.
0: You didn't in return, think like we sent him a box, he's gonna invest in our brand. It was not even, it's just about promoting the brand, yeah, here you yeah. go. Yeah.
1: And so, he, uh, he's like the front man of one of the most popular bands, brands, and yeah, in music, MTV, all the time, right?
2: Yeah, so shortly after, he actually, uh, he actually called us and said, hey, thanks a lot, that was great. I like what you, I like what you have and next time I'm in, in LA I'll call you So about a week later we see him on MTV live you know wearing split wearing a split t-shirt yeah. doing a greenpeace piece or something an ad or a commercial Sick. So then he we hear that they're filming a video in LA and did your, did your
1: uh, well you didn't have phones back then did you your was your beeper, you was your your your
0: beeper blowing up? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I people calling you up like, dude, I saw Split on MTV.
2: Because it's weird, because REM today you don't even hear it. I don't even know if the kids know it, but REM was pretty was huge. big back in that huge. day. It was, it was a
1: losing big, my religion. That was a big was rock that? and roll band. Oh, yeah. it's the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were, were huge.
2: huge. So he came out and he called us and said, "Hey, I'm in LA. If you guys want to come up and meet the band, we said sure. Friday night downtown LA. We went up, brought a bunch of twist clothes. my arm. All right, let's go." So he was staying at a hotel, and so the, the band's doing interviews in the Rose Garden and he calls us over. He meets the whole band, gives them some clothes, high fives, it was cool. And then I told him, he called the next morning, and he said, he said, hey, I want to say thanks a lot for the clothes. And I picked up the phone. The phone was in the garage, which is our warehouse. And, and he said, hey, if you guys ever need any help, let me know. I said, well, we're putting an investor package together now. He's all make sure I'm the first one to see it. You're kidding! So me. we put together just a little deal, and that got us out of the garage and into a small warehouse. How much work. did he invest? I don't remember. Come but, on, make but, up a number. But it was a <laughs>
1: he hundred thousand dollars.
2: Numbers aren't important. Hundred thousand dollars. Come on. He came in as a limited partner and added some value. He was a partner, limited partner, meaning okay. he didn't have. But but he was part of it. He he'd like he had a platform to submit ideas, and he was really creative.
1: So what do you, mean, you think? Ballpark? 10,000, 20,000? I don't know. Then is a numbers guy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's you like, gotta you, you get hey, the next level. I, there, this, there,
1: this episode would be a lot more exciting if you told me a number. There are some <laughs> okay, there are some zeros. I just don't remember how many. Six? Yeah. Yeah. Six zeros? I don't know.
2: Yeah. 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 Probably probably done that in that era. It was probably. But close. but still then the, yeah. the brand we're still in the garage. You know, we just needed a little kick to get us out into a warehouse and then from there we grew and we were in an industrial park over on Gothard and Heil and we got the smallest unit in this new industrial park and it was perfect for us we had an upstairs design and a little warehouse just enough to get going and then we grew out of that and then we moved into from there we moved to the biggest unit in the industrial park
0: same same complex
2: same complex from one end to the other and then we expanded over there and then we grew out of that and then we finally moved
1: to Santa Ana to a bigger and things were really going pretty well so, so as that entrepreneur business owner you know walk us through that you're like okay this brand has gone from a garage to uh, you know nationwide nationwide dis- distribution. Now it's a globally distributed brand, and then you you know you put in Michael Stipe, you, you're like, you have a surf team, a skate team, moto, a moto team. You're just Apple like, snow. what were your like thoughts? Like,
0: did you have did you have Were any... you like, holy crap? And in game, like, I, I I a number where you'd be like, hey, if we could just do this every year, I'd be yeah. happy. Like we could make like, this salad, You know, like
1: initially, do you
0: do you, you think don't...
1: about selling?
2: Do you
0: you don't know the ceiling, you're just like...
2: At, at that time, we didn't know the concept of endgame, yeah. right? Hey, you hear a talk, if someone were to buy it, great, but we weren't building a business for an endgame. Yeah. We were passionate about it, and you had to live it because, you know, it's not all rosy. If it's your own company, you're the last to get paid. Yeah. Right? And you have to grow to a point, you have to outgrow the garage, you have to outgrow the building, you have to Manage your payroll so you're not over payroll, and you gotta have checks and balances. You gotta grow a business, and you learn that. I mean, that was that was our personal MBA. You learn by
1: doing it. Yeah. So, out of the the three people, you know, Dave Petrie, Scott Bailey, Scott VanderWright, what roles did you guys play?
2: So in the beginning, we all wore all the hats all right that's just the way it was you do everything you have to you,
1: you kind of manage production and logistics and stuff like that for the most part
2: yeah so what we did so the way it finally the cards fell dave was the most creative he was a real he's still a super creative guy he runs a, a shop down in uh lucadia area called uh, seaweed and gravel so really rad shop with vintage surfboards and motorcycles and apparel so he, he became the creative guy. And then Bailey was more of the numbers guy, like financial numbers guy, accounting, uh, that that realm. And I was more logistics and manufacturing. So I would run production, logistics, shipping, kind of ops stuff. Yeah. And so we all, those are small buckets that hold a lot of responsibilities. Exactly. So that's kind of where we all fell at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets to a point for a business uh, advice You want to start hiring people that are better than you. You know, you can't leave your pride at the curb. When you want to hire someone to do something, you want to hire someone that's going to add value. I mean, there's certain positions where you want to train and have them do it your way. But you get to a point where you want to start hiring people that can add value and do it better than you. You don't
0: have to babysit. They're taking the initiative. They're they're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And you're like,
2: okay. And as an owner, you can do that because they're not going to take your ownership. Yeah. As a manager, some managers don't want to hire someone better than them because they might take their job or whatever. Yeah. But that, that was kind of generally how the
1: responsibilities
2: uh, fell. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's great advice cuz you you know a lot of entrepreneurs, successful business people say that, right? Hire smart people and get out of the way.
0: Well, that and it's really hard right? to get give, give give up Stuff to you know, like yeah, delegate, delegate. yeah, like exactly, like you for know, sure. And, you, and once, once you feel you, like you're
2: losing control, once you can get used to that, you're more productive. If you yeah. can delegate to someone who's capable and responsible, that's where things start to. Because
0: at the beginning, like okay. you said, you're all wearing five hats. Like seriously, four out of those five hats you needed somebody else to do because it's a waste of time. Should have done yeah, it, but you know, but yeah, yeah you, you don't, you can't afford
2: it. And every department has its own set of. Standards. Yeah. If you're designing, you're creative. It's hard to get designers that flow with you. You can have great designers, but if you're not on the same page, yeah. it's it's tough to delegate. They just don't always get it. Yeah. And same with you know the numbers game. You got to have good accounting. Yeah. You got to have otherwise. You, you know, and I ran the the margins. I ran the the production, Profit. the costing, the profits. As an owner, I think that's a key component because you want to make sure what the bottom line is. So yeah,
1: yeah. That's, so that's what it was. So all right, so split you you take it to a a level of business and then so what what led to you guys eventually letting it go or licensing License, yeah, licensing it out? So what we
2: did that we had pretty much maxed out our building. We were the business was good, we were doing big national business with, you know, Taxon and Macy's and some... Hot topic. No, no, I think that that era had passed. But we were doing we were doing good big box business, Tilly's and everything. And so we were chicks. We Spoilers. were after after we had um, we needed to raise money again a few years later, after after Michael Stipe. We grew to another point where hey we grew out of our building, we want to keep growing, let's find some capital. And we met the guys from Ray's Apparel, Jim Stark. So his group had factories in China. Everything was starting to go overseas. He was running licensing, manufacturing, master license for OP, and they were looking to bring something else under their umbrella. So they came to us and they they gave us a proposition. Hey, we would like to take split off your hands and license it from you, meaning they'll pay us a royalty and they'll run it. Production, sales, everything. What about design? Uh, and design, but here is the catch. They wanted to do that because they wanted us to start something new. We want to challenge you guys to start something new. You guys are good at startup. You have the connections. You have that.
1: Yeah, that you, you have the
0: success and you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah,
2: so they challenged us and we, you know, banged our heads for a while, looked at a bunch of different opportunities, and eventually we came up with the brand Crew. And we, Mark Ablo introduced us to Angel Cabada. And he was running TSA back at the time. And T- TSA was a core skate brand, you know, good team, good skate brand. And that brand was kind of going away. And he was looking for something new, and we were looking for something new. So we came together for the brand crew. And so in the transition, we licensed, split out, and we took, I think we had about 30 or 35 employees at that time. And we, planned to transition all of them to the new building to run the licensing operation. So all design, everything. And we cherry picked probably five people from the company that we wanted to bring with us because we needed one warehouse manager, one accountant. Yeah. You're starting from
1: like, yeah. a really
0: small. We didn't yeah. need 35 yeah. people to do it.
1: So raise apparel was the, people that forced you not forced you but gave you the idea to start a new brand because at
2: that time when we were doing big box business in the USA with international licensing they were so set up for a big box business from a sales from a distribution from a manufacturing that it was a plug and play whereas us as we hadn't been through that before we were kind of organic we were more rooted into the industry yeah. and less into the volume game. So they, they had it. So it, it made sense. So yeah. we, we said, okay.
1: So they are like, hey, you created this. We're going to plug this into our system, create something new.
2: Yeah. So when we, it was But kinda, you
1: did... did so, so, well, it was a secret.
2: So we, we couldn't just announce it. So we had built an incubator in our warehouse and uh, like an extended room with a door that we hired a sales slash customer service agent To uh, So we're designing it. Uh, Angel's designing it now, and he's designing off-site at his house in Costa Mesa. And we have a sales customer service guy who's selling it. And then I'm producing it, and then we're having it shipped to Angel's garage. So you're back in the garage. Back in the garage again. So we're we're starting to ship active and really good skate accounts. So we're building it. Did you have a team right off the bat, or did you have 2,000... Crew was launched in 2003, so we had to start the groundwork at 2002, 2001. So master plan, business plan, we had to borrow money. So let me ask
1: you this: Okay, split, right? You licensed it out. Did you guys get paid a good, uh, like?
2: Did you get a payout? It's a royalty. It's still our brand. We're still the owners. They licensed it. So they pay a royalty on sales okay yeah so a lot of different ways to do a licensing contract but normally and, and the business models change a lot with licensing distribution having your own direct office and it's evolved a lot over the years so anybody starting a new business do your research because some avenues are better than other ones but yeah, yeah no, they handled it all and they paid us a royalty for the brand and they ran that for years well did we you were still around. have
0: input like hey I think you guys should do this because Ultimately, you want more royalty. You want the brand still to succeed. Yeah. So it's like, do they? Do you have meetings? You to were consult- No,
2: we we had to transition all that, all yeah. those, all those numbers. But you had
0: invested interest, so you want to make
2: sure, like, hey, sure. you yeah. guys are making the
0: right calls. Like, you we, know,
2: we moved, you know, thirty people
1: over, and thirty people are doing. I'm just trying to get plus. some Vandernomics out of you. <laughs> you know, because whatever Vandernomics touches, he's Vandernomics is equal to the Midas touch. Whoa. Right? Yeah. And for you people that don't know who Midas is, Midas, whatever he touched, touched into gold or turned into gold. He's got
2: the Midas touch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And Vannernomics is the Midas touch. So, boom, you guys transition out of split. You go.
2: We have the incubator. There's a D Day. And D Day means all inventory moves, all employees move, new offices. You know, 30 people doing, you know, call it $30 million in business yeah it was legit and uh, and it grew and they grew the business big box for a while and we were focused on crew and I know that we had to put a business plan together to submit it to say hey we're gonna start this brand and I know we went to the till to borrow money to do it because it was our neck on the line to do it and we borrowed money from from the uh, from some partners that were in Asia so we borrowed the money. We had a business plan. I think it was a three- or a five-year business plan. And we thought we were going to kill it. And year one came out.
1: and So, trying to give a, a little background on crew for people that don't, that don't know, right? You came from Split. That was a multifaceted skate, surf, snow. Moto. Moto. And then, boom, you started crew, an apparel and accessories brand that was strictly skate. Core skate, hundred percent hardcore skateboard.
0: Because skate was on
1: the up, it was.
2: At that time, there was no skate apparel. Yeah. Aside from tees and hats, and everybody wore their dickies or whatever. And, yeah. And Levi's, skate shoes. Kikies. There was plenty of skate shoes, but no one was doing apparel. Yeah. Just printables, black yeah. labels, stuff of that nature. Yeah, it was, So we saw it was mostly hard goods one. brands that were selling skate yeah. apparel. We we saw a void for the brand for apparel. We knew how to make denim. We knew how to do production. We had the production formula. So to introduce that to the skate industry, uh, we had a t- solid team. Back at, I think it was Andrew Reynolds, Eric Ellington, Jim Greco, Chad Muska, Evan Hernandez, Terry, Ali Boulal. There We had a Terry pre- Kennedy
1: too from the start. Terry oh, Kennedy
2: and some of them came a little later. Antoine but Dixon. Antoine Dixon. Yeah. So solid team.
1: This that is uh, one of the most prolific teams ever to be on one roster. Yeah. Prolific. at that that time in
0: skate, it was you know the shoes, you know, Nikes and other. Nike wasn't popular. yet No, but they started. But they were. They were. They were those guys that you just mentioned are the heaviest students skateboarding. At the time, and then they became to be like the face of the industry, pretty yeah. much.
2: Because Nike tried to, in a way, buy in yeah. to surf and skate, and, yeah. it, and it wasn't working. Yeah. And then I know when they got Hurley, it really helped them into surf. And then when they finally got the shoe game right with P-Rod and company, yeah, Yeah. they they did it. Then it was they game got, over. They got in. But yeah, so we, we have a solid team. We have a solid infrastructure between our team that we cherry picked and we had a business plan and we went to all things were fine. We thought we we're good. Everybody, we launched our marketing plan. Everybody was behind it. You got the right
1: retailers. Yep. Shops, skate shops to back it. Yep. You launched and then we thought it was going to just
2: blow up, blow up. And what had happened was it didn't buy in because the retailers didn't think the consumers knew the brand. So they yeah. didn't buy as much as we thought they we would. They yeah. would. So That's, at, that a, happens with every new brand. After yeah. year one, we had kind of spent our marketing and we didn't have the revenues to support it. So we went back to borrow more money. And they're like, really? And they said, last chance. If not, if not we're yeah. pulling the plug. So what
1: was, that, what was your goal for business year one? What was your projected I th- I forecast think it, I think year one was maybe
2: 1.5 million which isn't that much it, it uh, wasn't that much I, I think that without was going number. in
0: any majors which you're probably sticking to the core business all, yeah that's still not that much we, in, we
2: spent a lot of money on marketing and yeah, cause there's print and, ad
0: and yeah and athlete and salaries and yeah that goes quick
2: so but what had happened was it was a one-year lag typical marketing and everything was yeah. one-year lag so then year two Put us back on the map, we're back on pace, and then year three, we just blew doors and the brand was off and running. It just started connecting. Yeah, so all the dogs. Was that were... what, 2005, 2006? Yeah, right in there, 2005, 2006, the yeah. Bracket K logo. And that,
0: the, the industry, not just skate, but like the economy, was, was kind of
2: on fire yeah, from 2000 to 2005. Yeah. It was kind of on the ramp and it was a void because like I said nobody was making skate apparel let alone yeah. denim and for skaters to wear denim that fit because yeah. we had a lot of success with yeah. the,
1: the, the the stretch tight jeans yeah. Yeah. you were the pioneers with split with a side stripe jean and then you with crew pioneered, case pioneered limb. the K slam pioneered the girls jeans in in skateboarding the skinny jean in skateboarding.
2: Yes, I remember a, a good friend of ours, Colin Provost, he rides for Volcom. Yep. And he's just family friend. for He's friends with our, our kids as well. And he... Started skating in girls' He He jeans. was wearing tight jeans that stretched. Yeah. And I'm not sure what brand it was, but we yeah. started talking to him about it. And we just... Him and Jim Greco. Jim Greco was doing the same. We just, you know... Cut a few pairs. Well, of Well, those jeans guys open. were like
0: built like a freaking yeah. toothpick. Anyways, yeah. that was like it was, it was hard for them, but it was. They
2: were Their own style, but it was skinny shoes and f- or uh, skinny jeans and fat shoes. Yeah. Weird
1: combo, but crew no chill. no crew killed crew skinny jeans killed, killed the fat puffy shoe. puffy skate shoes killed the DVS yeah killed, killed the, DVS. Yeah. 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 the DVSs of the world. It <laughs> did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well we, I was when, working when, for. It. Thanks when, a lot.
0: When crew launched. You know, Ruka was pretty much launching the same time. Yes. Volcom had a pretty good stronghold in skate, but they were multi-sport as well. Surf, s- snow, skate. So you-, you guys were strictly skate. We had a good... Or Ruka had a good uh, like skate team. skate team. For sure. But we were very, like... You were di- you couldn't diverse. Push, couldn't yeah. put all your eggs in no. the basket. No,
2: because I remember so. Pat Tenori and Angel were good friends. Yeah, and uh, I remember Pat coming to the garage.
0: And I I would see Angel at our building like real early, like yeah, way we, they were growing yeah, they were, out. And I remember we were beginning.
2: we were shipping product for crew out of the garage, and Pat came by and you know he was growing rookie, and It was starting to take off, and I yeah. think he had a lot going on. And he basically said. Can you guys just run it for me? Yeah, <laughs> and that never really happened, and I'm glad because he's done a great job of growing that brand. No, but
0: I mean, everybody has their struggles, and we were trying to sell $12 t-shirts to retailers that were paying like $8.50. Yeah, and they were like, they're like, you I guys don't are crazy. Care if it has a red. St- Your guys are crazy. Red
1: stitching on the collar.
0: Like, people are not, you know. But but A and
1: P, what's that?
0: Yeah, but going back to having niches and stuff, and you know, you guys with the skinny jeans, like that—that's what you needed. Any brand needs to have that, like... Breakout that product. That product, breakout product, that breakout product. Yeah, so sure. it
2: was the AR jean, it was the Andrew Reynolds jean when he rode for Crew, and, and we just, we had direct line to the factory, we had carte blanche credit, you know, and, and I was running numbers on those, I, I had ordered like 100,000 pairs of jeans.
1: So, what year was that when you finally turned the corner for Crew? Year three? I, like three, year three, four. it year started three. to go. Because yeah. I
2: think our goal was like 1.3 million and then maybe three and then five and then from five to ten. And that's kind of where it just went. It was on track and then we started blowing past everything. And we still had like five employees because we all knew what to do. Yeah. You know, we had to add some warehouse employees to ship. you
0: your. Yeah, your product, our, our, your product segmentation was relatively small because where where the skaters spend their money is yeah. t-shirts, yeah. hats, and now a jean. Yeah. You know, so that jean, one jean is a sale of it. four hats and
1: two our, two t's. So our
2: skew count was like so twenty styles. Yeah. So all day long.
1: Yeah. Lar Lar worked for Ruka. He was competing with you guys with Ruka, and at that time I was working for Maddox. And we were competing with you. We were still bros, right? We we're bros, yeah. but we were <laughs> no competing in the, in the market, in our business um, against crew. And I remember calling this one store on the East Coast, uh, this guy named Gurney, who owned Hotline. It was a surf slash skate shop. And I called him, and it was just after uh, back to school uh, season. And I asked, So, how do we do, Gurney? He goes, you guys did all right. You sold 25 pairs of jeans. I'm like, cool, that's not bad, right? He goes, yeah. I go, who's number one, Volcom? He goes, no, Volcom sold like 100, 125 pairs. I go, what, 125? And he's like, yeah. He goes, but Crew is number one. I'm like, holy crap, who's Crew? Like, what's Crew? He's like, and I knew it was, but he's like, yeah, we sold like 250 pairs. Yeah. You know, one little store on the East Coast, but that happened throughout all the every account. Every account, yeah. Yeah. Crew was number one in denim. Yeah, for a solid three, two, five, two, three, three years. years. Uh, five, three or four, or five. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was money. It, and was it was gnarly,
2: and it was, it was, like the, black, the, blue, and gray. The yeah. name Period. was
1: the name hit the head, yeah. nail on the head. Crew, right. The the branding the branding the simple. K bracket simple clean K bracket navy white yeah yeah uh, nailed it and then your team was so diverse they're all skateboarders but like you know we talk about this in surfing you have a a, a granola guy hippie guy you have a, a jock surfer you have a, a fitness surfer you know what I mean like there's yeah. different you got to have a subcultures in the subculture. And then in skateboarding it's even as diverse or war- more, right? Because yeah. you you know, you had the run We had all genres. You had oh, all the rock, genres. Yeah. You had hip hop. So the hip hop dudes are fresh and the skater Grunge, grungy dude. grungy dudes yeah. are Hesh. You had Hesh to Fresh. Yes. And everything in between. And they all had their own following. And you, yeah. they had their own following and crew was like it was unstoppable but
0: there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of number um, 1 brand a lot of companies doing product collabs with their athletes at the time you know like Dude, there there, right. w- there yeah. wasn't a lot of you know marketing through promoting signature the athlete stuff, signature right. you know and for
1: it was big big back then what was genius another genius marketing product what you're just saying the two live crew Holy crap. Yeah. It said Two I, Live Crew on everything t shirts, fleece. Yeah. I mean, Two we Live no- Crew. We milked that thing to death. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. It was so good. So it still good. sounds amazing, yeah. Two Live Crew. Yeah. So, boom, split, home yeah. run, got it to 30 mil. Boom, crew, home run, Vandernomics. How, how much was crew doing? Crew was At the Crew is
2: doing more than split. Okay, so bro, we need to hear numbers. But the thing, the you thing don't a- work for them anymore. You don't own it anymore. Tell me what that number is. But the thing about crew is, <laughs> split took us ten years to get there. Crew took us five years to get there. Yeah. So business efficiencies, yeah. knowledge, street experience. experience, all that stuff got us that much quicker. And yeah. a lot of luck. Well. I- Timing, but timing, timing. Yeah, but it's
0: also the relationships and the like distribution channel you already have. Because when yeah. you started split, you didn't really have that distribution knowledge. You didn't have those relationships and stuff. Didn't have the stuff. pipelines to and put even though, it in. yeah, like I mean, perfect example. You look at Bob Hurley Hurley brand, He was Billabong for the previous twenty five years. Mm-hmm. You know, 30 20, whatever, a long time. Yeah, relationships there. A lot of relationships, and he literally like once plug and play plug in like you know similar to what you did but
1: on a but one thing that i think hurley pulled off amazing was the the transition was simultaneous oh for sure right like no it was he he was was still it was was, was still everything that was in
0: everything that was in production he pretty much yeah billabong billabong was still on it
1: billabong was he was still doing billabong yeah and and you know months before he was done with Billabong yeah. you already started seeing 999 yeah and everyone's like what's 999 oh and he
0: had he had the blink 182 and again going back blink- to like
1: yeah, well, what, you know, what but the show is not about Hurley. It's I'm not just, about Bill of I'm just, I'm It's just, about Scott Vandernomics. I'm just saying
0: timeline of what was going on and how he you was moving from You always away from the
1: subject matter, bro. Oh. Well, but You're really bad at that. <laughs> so on that point... ADD On that point... Squirrel! The tra- <laughs> 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 on the
2: point of that transition... We had to play it differently because Split had a different account base. Yeah. And it wasn't core in the skate arena. Yeah. Even though we had a... Our skate team was X Games. It was Andy Mack and Neil yeah. Hendricks and all those X Games guys.
1: Whereas... Corey Dolphin wrote for Split, though, didn't he?
2: Yes, yeah. he did. And Jim Gagney. Look yeah. at that, yeah. dude. pretty good. Huh? Pretty good. Huh? You did some research. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get a memory. Whoa, investigative journalism. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, so, to go core skate, Angel was the face behind it. So, he was the front man. He was the face guy. He brought the team, and Scott Bailey and I, we stayed behind the scenes because we wanted to not have it just be a new split. It was a whole
1: new chapter. And then Dave... It had to come from authenticity.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, And Dave Patriot at that time went with the split crew and was running... Design and marketing and running that whole program to keep that all going. So
1: Angel was kind of the front man of the brand, and and which was smart. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was
2: it was good. And he legitimized
1: the brand from the get go. Got I, all the legitimate team riders from the get go. And I I've, I over hire 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 the right people and get out of their way is yeah, what yeah. what you did.
2: I I over the years kind of went behind the scenes as well because my responsibilities became. Manufacturing, logistics, all that—it's like I wasn't, and I was okay with that because I'm not Mister. Hey, check me out. So (laughs) you are now, though. (laughs)
1: No, I'm just late night with chalky. Yeah. Oh no, how do you get rid of that? Uh, we're gonna pass here. So, so VanderNomics, how much in dollars, in millions, did you think? Do you remember doing with crew? You know I can't remember. 60 80. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember what 60 80. Kind of. Let me
2: let me bridge that into something else that it might give you your answer. So, cuz our listeners want to know. Okay. So crew was a core business at a certain level that if you went much higher, it it was gonna dilute and sell the brand out.
1: Yes, but you were doing huge numbers in Zoomies, Tilly. We were doing huge numbers yeah. based on. Cause we're, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's put this in perspective, right? You did 30 million with Split. Let's say that's nationwide, domestically in. But, let's say this: Would you say that Crew was three times the amount of that? Wow! What? Right. What I
2: don't remember. I right? Don't, I don't remember. I would
1: say you probably did three times more business in Crew than you did with Split. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I, I'm going to say. Bro, no.
2: I, so, and here's why, okay? The brand got to a certain level, and it's going to segue into starting a new brand because we did not want to open everybody up. Yeah. Like, there are certain accounts that did the volume with Split. We weren't going to open Macy's, right? We weren't going to open Pax. You're
0: trading dollars for dollars. So, and then you're so it was a, Keep it
2: tight. It was a different model. All brands should keep it tight. It's not about the money. Yeah.
0: It's... it's it, well, it, yeah. It, it is, I mean... It's the longevity. Less is more. It, less longevity. is more. I mean... Less is more is what we're trying to say. My, my sales manager, Eric Thomas, he's the... I love best. Him. Best. He's the best. And, I mean, he's been there with, for up. a long time. And... He always says like, "et as, as we're doing, you know, meetings and let's. I'd rather be fifty million and profitable than seventy five and chasing dollars, you know. And I'd rather be whatever your level yeah. is, you know. Be content and as long as you're running efficient, you got margin and you're not saturation in the market. Like it was, it's back to the the basics. It's the number one that, rule that, of thumb of any company. It's,
2: that a hundred percent. So." Gross margin on your t shirts, seventy yeah. five percent. Gross margin on denim, sixty five percent. Wow yeah. all day long. Wow. So if That's you're excited, like, like you gross yeah. margin and volume, I'd rather do thirty and be greatly prof because those are our big categories. Wovens, yeah. knits, you know, walking shorts. Yeah. We can sell shorts. Every they all wanted denim. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. so huge, huge so, category. So yeah. High price. So like ninety
1: million. <laughs> Good. Sure. Perfect. 99 yeah, whatever, sounds yeah, yeah. perfect. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Okay. You feel better now? Okay. Yeah. So then boom.
2: Yeah. Why
1: Start a new brand. did the next brand... So... So we're talking the third brand now, guys. You, you don't have Split, any... Crew, and
0: now Supra. Supra. But you don't have any experience in footwear. You? Zero. Zero. Just, just warm on my feet. We just, have
2: we have done we did some flip-flops and we played around with a little bit of crew shoes
0: just did you know what margin like did you look around before starting it like how much margin is in footwear because that's your department is oh yeah what kind of profit is is... we learned
2: really quickly how to make shoes and we decided the main reason because our skate team's blowing up the brand's blowing up all of our marketing all of our print all of our videos all of our riders have other people's shoes on. Yeah, and we're we're publicizing and marketing every other shoe brand out there. So is it the start?
0: But is it going both ways? Or are you getting free publication advertising uh, from them, or is it?
1: Yes and no. Kind let's, of. We, let's. You saw that there was a opportunity opportunity in the footwear game, and you yeah. you saw that there's a huge business. Yeah. In footwear. Yeah, yes. And the margins were probably yes. really good. Because,
2: I mean, hate to say it, at that time compared to today, there wasn't that many footwear brands, but no. there, there was a, a, a good handful of skate shoe brands. And, and a lot of them lacked some of the infrastructure that we felt we had, that yeah. we could do pretty well with it, from yeah. financing, factories, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we launched Supra. In 2006, and same deal, we went back to the lending tree, put a business plan together, and borrowed money. And it was a little bit of an opposite to what happened with Crew. So, what happened was all these accounts that we wanted to sell to that we're selling Crew to, whatever number we were selling at the time, because we kept it pretty, uh, our distribution was pretty limited. Um. So, all these accounts wanted it. They saw the team. They saw the plan. They saw the shoes. It was a premium skate shoe with high-end leathers that was sold for a premium price. And all these accounts booked it in. They said, "We're on board. Crews yeah. killing it. These guys are yeah. gonna kill it.
1: It's got a great track record. These guys knows
2: what these guys know what they're doing.
0: And yeah. it's different. It's like safe. people, like accounts need to invest in new brands full, and young yeah. brands in the, something. The
1: category was. At its high point. They're like, hell yeah, let's get another good brand in here to sell. For sure. So they all pre-booked it, and we
2: shipped it all out, and it sat. Meaning, the consumer didn't know about it. The retailers were in, but their consumers weren't coming in and buying it. It gets lost in translation. Because the marketing had a six-month to to one-year lag. So, same thing happened. It took us another couple years, and then when it started to go... It left everything else we've done behind. It just it blew.
1: So Supra was the that was the biggest
2: of the three,
1: and what took Split to go the biggest of the three, bit by far. Wow, significant. Five times, six times. So
2: what took Split ten years took Crew five years. It was like about two and a half to three. But super got its legs. Uh, how many
0: uh, seasonal like uh, developments were you doing for like uh, like new collections? Four seasons. Four for seasons, for all seasons and choose. Yeah. So
1: even shoes was four. Four. Yeah. So exactly. you you I had the privilege of working for Crew and Supra. Oh, you worked there, Lyndon? For two years. He did. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, Vander he tried was the... va- He was a very valuable. Is artist. that is that is that all the Amex dinners and like outings we were going? What are you out talking on? about? No. <laughs> corporate heart thanks Vander
1: uh, who are you active yes yeah, let's write that down yeah. no what, but what? Seriously, seriously I don't do that yeah. um, too much so what was that? Now, now I lost my train of thought I see it? I'm a squirrel dude so <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you worked there remember? you worked oh, there yeah. So oh yeah I, I forgot about yeah. that I remember yeah. I was working
1: yeah. up, I remember it's funny where didn't you work I, I know I remember I <laughs> remember um, <laughs> So I told Vander I was leaving Podium, right? Yeah. It was like 2000s DDS Lacaine, yeah. Uh I was there for 6 years and happily there and then Kevin Meehan uh, headhunted me and said, "Hey, I want you to uh, be part of the Analog team. And uh, you'll get this much money, you're going to live in or you're going to work in Irvine. Yeah, the commute was killing down. So yeah, I was headhunted by Kevin Meehan and I told Vander and he goes hey before you make the decision to go to analog come talk to me and Bailey and Bailey and Vander actually sat here and we talked about it and you almost I almost started working for you then but you guys just was it was you weren't ready
0: you wanted too much money
1: that and they weren't ready to have Exits we weren't prepared for uh they, they weren't oh, ready for lindenomics <laughs> <laughs> but no so going back to supra it only took you two years
2: it, it streamlined quicker it, it actually once we got through that hiccup and that hiccup was was basically just the market wasn't ready for another shoe and we were still working through it and you know, we were learning how to make shoes. I yeah. mean, shoes are a little bit more—it's a lot more complicated than apparel, yeah. and it took us a while yeah. to get the factory, the factory connections, and our our partners that were apparel guys in Asia had didn't—they knew nothing about shoes, so they weren't a help at all. Yeah, they—we got some financing from them, but we were on thin ice because. Did they have uh, people in that shoe no. industry? No. Is no, we 20? went on—we went on our own. Just went for it, and we got a hold of some people who knew the footwear game and we did all that so um, yeah just it took a little while but once we got through that lag period and that hiccup
1: then then it was game on and then it was a what's crazy is um, you know Supra was a skate shoe company right but it turned into a lifestyle it was a shoe. sneaker yeah sneaker head shoe before it was like a core skateboard.
0: But that was another perfect timing within like just the, the industries and what was changing yeah. and, and styling because you had the core skate shops and then you had this elevated skate boutique which Dude. was like the the another fast skate skate ticks yeah coming around. Nike kind so, of
1: helped you guys along with with the dunk. higher price point and the look. Yeah. Right? Some of the and, Jordan and Dunk, and well, yeah,
0: it was not just your core guy; it was your your participant that yeah. you know had money and means, and they wanted to have the coolest, newest stuff, and they were willing to drop megabucks on everything.
1: Marketing was really, I think, what elevated and uh, helped accelerate Supra's rise to the top. Um, you well, guys had an amazing PR guy. I don't know what the guy's name was, but I mean. He helped you get. What's his face, Little Wayne? Yeah. Right. You had Little Wayne. You had um, Jay Z. Jay Z wore Vaders, Super Vaders, right at MTV Music Awards or no, one of them. It was Obama's, Obama's inauguration. inauguration. Oh. Uh, you had Beyonce wearing them. You had Heidi Klum wearing them. Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. Jay's favorite, Justin Bieber. Yes. <laughs> Bieber. Lar had Beaver or, or late night had Beaver fever. So kind
2: of, kind of what happened, what what kind of, how that, it was a skate shoe. But we got into the high top game early on. And sky top. So it gravitated, skaters were wearing the skate shoes, but then the fashion side, the celebrities, the musicians, that look and that paneling, yeah. the sky top, the Chad Muska sky top, was so appealing that it just grabbed Shout out to... Josh Brubaker. Josh Brubaker. He who's was the designer? head. He was the head designer of that shoe, collaborated, you know, with Chad mm-hmm. and with Angel as well. But yeah, not they. They worked hard on that thing and that shoe real, and it's still doing extremely
1: well today. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of our good friends, who's still a diehard super fan, Jason Hoey. I, I texted Claire. Oh, he's a, for
0: shoe, a shoe, shoey. He's a shoe, not a Hoey. shoey. No, but he loves shoes. He like loves Supras. He's, he, he's got a shoe collection. He's got
1: a shoe fetish. Yeah. and He loves Supras. And he hit you up the other day, right? He yeah. said, Hey, do you know anybody at Supra? <laughs> I texted um, Steve Claire, right? And Claire, I said, Hey, I got a buddy that wants some shoes. He automatically sends me a promo code, I send it to Hoey. He texts me the next morning. I bought five pairs. Thanks. <laughs> so there's a lot of diehard super. But fans. going back to that
0: time with all these celebrities wearing it, it was also the time where like market, marketing has really flip flopped from like printables to traditional to now all like social. Yeah. And that just sped up everything as well. So I mean, you got a killer company, killer shoe, killer design, killer marketing, but it's also the. The change of like the marketing aspect of how quick it gets to design to the general public and
2: and we were able to great point Jay Larson we were able to design that we were able to design the brand into segmentation so there was a skate segment and there was a a high-end section and different and a classics you know black and white all day long so but yeah, Supra was it we learned the shoe game pretty quick and a lot of the skate shoes were falling off at that time. They were, they were. It was tough. It was tough out there.
0: Well, they had a one-hit wonder, yeah, and they fell off yeah. real quick. And that's what happens when you're you know. when I
1: when I worked for for DVS. DVS was the number one shoe company for, for my, years. Yeah, two thousand. I started in two thousand two and left there two thousand six, two thousand eight, and it absolutely murdered it. Like DVS was number one in every single territory, in every single quarter in every single store. It was gnarly. And then when Nike started coming around, they started taking the market market share and then Supra just kicked everybody's butt and left everybody in the dust. Well, it, so it, it, that had to have been qua 50 times the <laughs> business.
2: <laughs> well so so during that time so Crew was doing well. Super came shoes t- are more dollars. Higher dollar higher dollar. Yeah. And
0: yeah. Faster turn. Yeah. Meaning like you need to
2: replace And, and there's a lot it's one category, yeah. right? their boxes, they stack, they're super modular. Yeah. But at that at that time Crew Skytops are how much retail back? Hundreds, hundred and twenty five, something. Crazy. Like that. A yeah. A lot. lot of C notes. And so Crew's doing well, Supra's doing well, and we're getting into that 2008-09 recessionary time frame. And once again, there's still relatively new brands that have plenty of room to grow. So we kind of just, we were, we were hot enough and exciting enough that we were growing through the recession. But what had happened at that time, the guys that were running Split, they decided um, they were going to close their doors. And so they gave us the brand back. Basically, so we just kind of shelved it for a while, and then we eventually we sold it, but then we just started running Supra and Crew, and we ran it for, you know, it was a it was a machine. We had we moved to another building, and
0: well, yeah. That, how 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 is the, the the volume of space needed to house shoe boxes? That, that'd be the quadruple. Class, I mean, you're, yeah. how
2: big was that warehouse? I think it was it was maybe seventy five or eighty five thousand square feet. But But it was high, yeah. So we were able to max out. It was all about the height because you're only paying for the square footage, and it had. So we put these racks in there, and I think the uh, the forklift had about five or six pallet loads high. It was way up. So thank
1: God I was only there for two years because I that meant I only did two years of inventory. (laughs) <laughs> By then, it was all the inventory automated. was gnarly. At,
2: at the end, we had it all automated. It was all like one scan. It it got a lot easier. But
1: that was but that was a machine. Crap.
2: We had we had we've had some great employees. My partners have been great through the years. I mean, I was with them forever, and uh, me included. Right? Great yeah, employees. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great team riders. It's been a. It was a good journey. It was. We had a good time.
1: So what uh, were the factors of of you guys s- selling the business like what so so we talked earlier about split and
2: then end game at a young age I didn't know what the end game looked like and every now and then you say hey if someone gave us this number hey maybe we'd sell it but crew and Supra we had a lot we had I think we had about 175 employees <laughs> we had offices in five or six countries. We had retail stores throughout the world. It was a machine. We had an HR department because we had, you know, 175 employees or whatever. And it was a machine. And it was growing, but markets were changing, you yeah. know, to continue to grow and market... you getting old. And reinvent yourself. <laughs> the... Um, what we had done maybe in 2010 is we we wanted to buy out our partners we had partners in asia that weren't in the foot game footwear game and the footwear business was was doing that was our yeah you're biggest like, they're, sector, yeah, yeah
0: they're making money off of you and they don't have any and they contribution they were
2: they were ready to exit anyways they were done they they went from apparel to you know high density real estate and they changed their focus so so we we got a a private equity group out of the bay area they came in brought them in to buy out the asian partners and they came in, they added value, we really cranked the company up. There was a lot of e-commerce at that time that really exploded and helped our business. And so usually when private equity comes in, their general plan is a three to five, maybe a seven year flip. They come in, add value, add expertise, and then they want to exit. So we finally got in the conversation of end game. And when the window came, we said, we think it's time. We had the discussion and it was time to put a book together, document the whole company, where it's at, financially, everything, and we put it put it on the market. Uh, like a, a private market. And we sold the company. And and that for was millions the, of dollars. That was the end of that chapter, you know? We it was a great run. I did it for thirty years. Yeah. And it was nice to just Call have an end game, yeah. yes. Call it because you know it is. I mean, and I think we we timed it perfect because yeah. I think we were at the, the top of our game, and we said now it's time, and we
0: yeah. we end up selling it. But the hardest thing is you're you know you bonded over the years with these employees, and I mean you know that's what probably keeps you motivated. Is like you know it's not just me. I got to make sure that you know yeah. these 175 people are going to have get taken care of or future and yeah. you know A livelihood. So it's it's got to be.
2: Well, I was thinking about it. the numbers are probably you know. Maybe even in the thousands when you take team riders, yeah.
1: employees, you, you know, you put a lot licensing. Of, you put a lot of food on a lot of people's tables. A lot of yeah. beer in people's uh, Yeah, that time. too.
0: <laughs> you, you could put some uh, food on my table tonight. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you got with your friends? <laughs> yeah, plans tonight? yeah, with sure. your friends. So yeah.
1: I, I want to bring up a couple stories of, of why I, I trip out. Oh, no, we got to go. On, on Wrap uh, it up. Uh, on why we call it Vandernomics, right? His name's mm-hmm. Scott right and again, he has the Midas touch. So, one funny story, a couple funny stories. Couple. Vander uh, bought a an airstream. In how long was that? <laughs> how long? Was I mean, it? how how long ago was that? Probably not ten years ago. Ten years ago, and you you. You used it, right? You 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 bought it. You used it for how long? Seven eight years. Seven eight years. You, you the guy paid thirty grand. Used it for seven or eight years. Sold it in one day for thirty six grand. Yeah. So six thousand dollars. But but but, 000, but, right, but, this, but you're missing the whole. That's Vander you're,
0: But you're missing the whole point of it was, it was for sale for like almost 70 or 60 something and the guy that was selling it at the time, the market sucked. Nobody was investing anything and in Mr. Scott over here... Mr. Vandernomics. Yeah. Knows how to play the game.
2: What's that to do and, with anything?
0: And he has the cash, so it's like, well, you know, that's what you, you know, money money talks. Money that's pretty amazing, course, right?
1: right? That's a Vandernomics. It's amazing. That's how... You don't make money on... Second story. Is that all you got? You don't Second make money story. on Second story. So... He he invests in a, a sick condominium in Nicaragua from the from the ground level, right? So that you 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 and a couple partners, right? Invest in a sick condo in Nicaragua. We stayed you, there. You guys we stayed there. Uh you rented out over what how long did you own it for? Ten years. Ten years. And finally, you know, Vander gets sick of it. He, he doesn't, you know, he's pretty much the guy handling all the books and the maintenance and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what, guys? Let's sell. So they go there. They sell. I mean, meanwhile, Nicaragua has grown over the past. Up. Yeah. And real estate values have grown tremendously. And then all of a sudden, Vander says, you know, what? it's time to get rid of this. Let's sell it. Boom. He sells it the next day there's a civil unrest rioting in the streets of Nicaragua and all the tourism and yeah tourism starts going away and the values drop that's vendoromics <laughs> timing it's all timing yeah your timing is impeccable like, I, you know, it's 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 uncanny how lucky, but shrewd and smart, Mr. Scott Vanderite who you guys have probably never heard of, that started. Hey, what was that? Nothing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's seriously amazing. And then here we are, present day. The dude's still hustling. Hustling. He, he's not retired. He's still hustling. He's semi-retired. I don't hustle. Yeah, I don't hustle. Not hustle. You, yeah. you, you, you have you, got the Midas touch, the Vandernomics. I just meant hustling as you stay busy. Hey, you know. So let's talk about the the it's the the, 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 the coal or the uh, the irons in the fire that you have right now, Mr. Vandernomics. Yeah, where should I put my money? Where should we all put our money?
2: So the philosophy, money? A couple philosophies. One, you got to keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. One, right? Just, yeah. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Two <laughs> yeah. you gotta do the six Ps. Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Whoa. Right? Yeah. You gotta prepare. Right? I like Proper
1: that. preparation prevents poor piss poor performance. You can play it back later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah you, right. might, P- you might never you might never get P-P-P-P-P. it. P P P P. You down with PPP?
0: I am down with <laughs> PPPP. P-P-P. So
2: what I did, so we sold the company and just took a little break and I, I I hit an age milestone right at that same time. The day we closed was my birthday and there were some destinations I wanted to visit that I hadn't got to visit. So went to went to Nicaragua, decided we had been doing Nicaragua for ten years, Costa Rica. It's it was awesome. And then I wanted to go to Bali. So we went to Bali
1: and Tabby?
2: Yeah, I did, oh, I did tabby, tabby, Bali, yeah. and Nicaragua, all in like a little, like a little whirlwind. It was a good yeah. run. Did you do a Hawaii North Shore? Oh, um, North Shore? We did a lot of North Shore. We have two boys that are older now. Uh, our one son Casey went to University of Hawaii over on Oahu, at Manoa. So we go over there in the winters. It trying was, to get Lily to go there. Yeah, it was a good. That was a good run for sure. So yeah, did did a bunch of surf travel. And, and then came back and kind of got busy with it again. Just, I think I spent so many years grinding, not even grinding, just so involved in the business. And so, so many facets of it. Now I kind of work for myself. I'm my own, my own boss. And so I get into, I'm pretty connected into opportunities. There's opportunities everywhere. You just gotta, you gotta look. And they pop up and it's all about what you want to get involved in whether it's financial or sweat equity or working. So I've, I've been fortunate to get to align myself with a couple of good companies that I, I believe in that are doing well. So I've gotten involved in a few since I've exited the apparel industry. So I got involved with a company called Hyperice uh, Investment. You know, I got in early. And if you don't know of Hyperice...
0: Hyperice has all your needs for after workout, sport, rehab, recovery... recovery. Everyone. Ice, heat, vibration, yeah. all that. I so. use the back brace all the time. So, Kobe uses it.
2: So check out Hyperice.com.
1: Kobe,
0: Kobe, Kobe, and, Kobe, and, and LeBron, Steph and Curry, LeBron. KD, all those guys. Re- reach yeah. out, DM us, and we'll get, a, we'll get you a disc. Slater, we'll, we'll get John you a, a, a discount code if you DM us. Listening to the Late Night and Chalky podcast.
2: You know, John John's got his going already. Oh wow! Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'll, be, know, he'll be he'll be paddling out a pipe. Yeah. So then I got involved with, uh, we have our own manufacturing company. We have an office in Shanghai. It's called Blacksmith International. And we do full design, manufacturing. So we manufacture for, you know, a lot of the action sports industry and a lot of, you know, less sexy products. But just um, manufacturing in China. We do design, manufacturing, QC, and logistics. So um, if you need something. Reach out to
0: Scott VanRype if you're looking to expand or... (laughs) Or source out any sort of, <laughs> of the products. This is not an infomercial, but it is. You need shoes? Yeah. We can yeah. make it. Yeah, we we'll make yeah. shoes. Yeah, you need belts? We can make it. Yeah.
2: And then I got involved with the guys at Rinse Kit, the portable shower rinse that you kit. see. You know, I just saw at a new, new one, one
0: at, at one of the shops. Yeah, the hard pack the, one. No, the smaller yeah. like um, pony pill kit? or whatever. Yeah, the
2: hard case. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, a phenomenal product as well. I for, love it. Rinse Kit. Can't leave home without it. And then the the guys from Sport of Kings, great new apparel brand out of Huntington Beach. Casey Wee. Um, yeah, the Good Life. Ziggy Sport of Kings, Forever Young. These guys are doing a great job of growing a nice organic, local surf brand, and that's attached to the West Coast Board Riders, which yes. is there's clubs up and down the coast. Which We yeah.
0: promote every episode because we episode, we, yes. we 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 see it as a you know a, a new birth in like surf. Within community. the community and, like, the, the youth. And we just love the, the the local, like, participant, like, family-style beach day. It's just a great thing. We love those guys. We're stoked that... Quit interrupting us. soak E fide.
2: And then I just got involved with the guys. There was a, I've never been in the uh, beverage industry, but I got involved with the guys from Harland uh, Beer. They're down in uh, San Diego County. Uh... The company is Harlan Beer, and the distribution that we own is called Scout Distribution. And there's a wine called Claxton. So we're opening a tasting room this next week in July in Del Mar.
0: That's where the real money's at. At at the
1: new One Paseo building. So Um, our show is listened in 27 different countries. Yeah. So, and we're downloaded hundreds and hundreds of times a day. So if Harlan and Scout Distribution is looking for a new, the podcast is, uh, the podcast medium is a growing industry with a lot of uh, viewership. Yeah. So. It's called grassroots marketing. Late night with Chalky, bro. Yeah. Hey. Hey. and sell some product. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I love
0: wine and beer. I love wine and beer.
1: Yeah. Right, late night? Yeah.
0: I don't have to go to these like Mandela or Takata guys, you know, like, you know. Harlan I Claxton. Want keep, I want to keep. I want to keep it local. Harlan Claxton. Those are great American
2: names, man. Yeah. So a couple tasting rooms down in San Diego County, and it's on tap everywhere. So
0: it's weird. That's an epicenter for like IPA and little like kind of craft, craft beers beer. and stuff. It's, it's amazing.
2: They can run the business.
0: When are we gonna
1: San open Diego? one in the Huntington?
2: I don't know if it's gonna be Huntington. I think there might be one bouncing up to Ventura area. But the the distribution company we're doing June Shine and a bunch of other. You, and some you guys need a rep <laughs> probably yeah. yeah 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 there's good opportunity for sure yeah. So it's it's really you can do LA I can do it's a, County. it's a brand new op- brand new operation but it's growing by leaps and bounds so yeah. um, take a look see we're networking yes so yeah. how you do it so remember remember I don't know if you remember this but remember the Marriott towers down in San Diego by where the trade show used to be yeah ASR yeah. you'd walk through there walk through the hotel to the convention center there was a Starbucks in there, and it, you'd walk right down the hallway to, to the convention center. So, Harlan just took over the Starbucks. Oh, wow. And so, they're selling beer in the hotel at that old Starbucks That's smart. location. So, now you can walk from your hotel to the convention center and pick, pick up, up a up beer, beer. Or the other way around. So, I mean, you can only drink so much coffee, but you can
1: drink. Yeah. But of seriously, beer. if Harlan's interested in two professional. Semi celebrities, oh, here dude. in Huntington Beach and abroad. Yeah. They might be Semi. listening right now. Semi. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I mean, how many coverage did you get late night? All right, what else do you need to know? <laughs> I got. I got. It's not about me, stuff bro. To do, right? It's about no, me. but it's been a great. Uh, we're privileged. It's been an honor and a privilege for having Scott. Theodore. <laughs> Wait, that's Theodore. that other guy. I don't know yeah. who that Scott is. Scott Theodore Vanderwype. What is it? David? Scott David Vanderwype? That is my middle name. Yeah. Scott David Vander. Yeah,
2: you're gonna flood this all over the internet so they can track me. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: Yeah. Why don't you but get my soul, social. Soul? Yeah. What is your social? Yeah. 444 and 381. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's your number? Eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, but you know, um, it's it's a very interesting story. The Scott-David-Vanderite-Vanernomics story. Well, who, I, uh, I mean... We're, we're, who, we're, hey, hey. hey, okay, go. Three different yeah. multi-million dollar, multi... Yeah, American dream. It's an American dream. Like, yeah. you know, he hit three home runs. Yeah. Right? And he's hitting a fourth home run right now. Or five or six or yeah. seven. Oh,
2: it's, it's just getting started.
1: yeah. And that's really... Yeah, that's fun.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's what's cool is like your, your passion for, you know, obviously you have visions for... for and he's one of our brands. best friends. Yeah. How Definitely. lucky are we? Yeah. But <laughs> the fact that you could give your knowledge and right, input maybe? to these other companies, you know, and give almost, I mean, give back your, you know, what you've learned and help these younger companies... You know, get to that next level. Give your
1: input and your expertise is is pretty cool. Yeah, there's another company that I want you to start putting some. We'll keep that on the download though. Okay. For the next show. Whoa, whoa! Yeah. You don't even know late Ooh, night. I don't need this. Know is night. an A B conversation.
0: Whoa. See your way out of it. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'm on the bigger and
1: better things myself.
0: Oh, yeah, keep it, keep it, keep it quiet.
1: <laughs> no, but hey. Scott, Theodore, Banderite. It's been a, it's a, it's been an honor and a privilege for for us. Late night with Chalky uh, for our listeners. For our listeners. Yes, it's all about that. Listeners.
0: Yes. Yeah. Split,
1: Crew, Supra, three amazing action sports brands, fashion. Yeah. I mean, you're an icon in the industry, and no one even knows it. Yeah. Now they do. I like it that way, huh? I like it that way, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get to charge you one time for an um? Whoa. <laughs> did we? I don't know. Did he say um at all? I don't I'm know. I'm going to have to re-listen to this. Think, hey, um, how's this
2: swear jar doing? Yeah. What swear jar? Oh, okay, gotcha. We never had right. one. Okay. We never went We'd be there. rich. We could
1: invest we, that money. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Who was swearing, though? Nobody. Cause Nobody? Cause the kids one time. time.
0: Up. Up. Who did
1: Eve, oh! Evie's
0: Eve, keeping count
2: over there. Scott, uh, Theodore.
0: We, David, dude. Come on. Scott, David, Ben. Yeah.
1: Right. All, All right. All right. Is that a wrap, folks? Right. Emmy, Evie. Yes. Say, thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks, for, listen, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our family show of yes. Surf Talk. Yes. All right. Let me say, late night with Chalky. Peace out. Evie. Late Night with Talkie. Peace out. Peace out. Over now.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show.
1: Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.